in a world crying out for a top 10 show. John Roca and Matt Nost are here to bring you the top 10. Take it away, boys. Yeah, there it is. There it is. Uh, top 10 show back. I tried to do a little video intro. I'll get tighter about that. Uh, and maybe we can shorten that one, Matt Nost. But uh, welcome, everybody, to the Top 10 show. I am John Roca. Uh, I am Matt Nost. And um, I think that's the first time I've ever we've ever sat through the intro for the show. Outside yeah. Of the show. Agreed. Yeah. I thought I'd try something new because I've been learning how to do more and more with StreamYard. And one of those things you can play a video and it like kind of slides right into the show starting. So I thought it'd be kind of cool to do that uh, for our show, kind of do an end point and a start point that people are used to with hearing our music. So we don't lose that for people who watch us on camera. But maybe we'll record one that's a little bit quicker than the 30 second one that we use now or have been using for quite some time. Or maybe not. I don't know. But uh, it's something we're, we're certainly uh, something I, uh, we might do in the future. Sure, sure. All, all <laughs> possibilities are on the table. Uh, it's you know only the second week of doing this from home. Yeah, so it's not exactly routine at this point. Yeah, how are you? How are you doing with everything, man? How's it going over there uh, in your land of self isolation? Fine. <laughs> um, we have tenants moving in this weekend, so that's good. You what? Have tenants moving in this weekend. Oh, cool. Yeah, so that's all finished. So that chapter of my life is now complete and get to move forward. So <laughs> I have finishing touches. I need to sweep up and stuff down there. But uh, it's been mundane. I mean, it's yeah. just doing stuff around the house and watching some more movies. I broke out an old Xbox that isn't mine. Oh. Somehow have after all these years. The guy just told me to keep it. And I was like, I have no use for this. So it's been sitting in a box forever, but I broke it out and played a couple games. Uh, nice. Sure. What are you doing? Uh, kind of. This, I mean, I've just been uh, basically just working on the channel, my YouTube channel. So that's basically been the focus to kind of keep me busy doing stuff like that. We found out um, today or we found out yesterday that Lindley is going to be furloughed today. So okay. as we're recording this, so we're going to have, that's a whole new chapter in our life to see what the deal is. Of course, they signed that stimulus package. So I don't know if that changes everything or not, but that's apparently what's going on. To, uh, we found out today and we'll or yesterday rather, and we'll find out what happens next week. Uh, but yeah, we've yeah. been like kind of dancing. We've been watching TV at night, taking walks late at night. Cause we don't want to, you know, kind of see too many people and keep that social distancing going, but also mm-hmm. want a little bit of exercise. So we're both just taking an hour long walks at night and kind of catching up with each other uh, and our days. Um, and yeah, just recording shows, being on shows, just trying to do all of that and get better at this uh, and uh, whatever. So just kind of learning how to build the channel up and get more and more viewers uh, for on my side of things. Uh, but then also like kind of just looking at what else I want to do. Do you know what I'm saying? Cause it's like, this mm-hmm. is awesome. Um, but you know, it's, I don't know how sustainable it has been six months. I'm not further ahead than I would like to be. So we'll see on that. Are you Dude, looking, I, have you been teach writing yourself skills? Yeah, I know. So I'm trying to do, I've been trying that's, to teach yourself some skills. That's all I do is like, all right, I need to, I need to figure out if I can do this project and then do a bit of research and then, all right, do what, 
what do I have that can help me? And then just right. move forward, boom, bang out, learn a new skill. Uh, I've done, you know, over the past shit, couple of weeks, I've learned a brand new skill and be like, oh, that's really helpful. It's going to, uh, you know, pay dividends down the road, but it's just nice. I don't know, trying to keep my brain active, do things, stay, get as much done, like yeah. humanly possible. Right. And also, like relax a little bit. But uh, I read this, uh, this guy that uh, used to be uh, on subs nonstop. I don't know what his job was on the sub. Mm-hmm. I had to come up with something. I was like, I don't remember, you know, what his delineation was there. But he's like, it's, it's a matter of if you're going to get through it, it's trying to set some sort of normal routine for mm-hmm. you. So you just you're active, but then you set in times where like, you know what, just veg out, do stuff here. And then it goes yeah. back to so have certain things that are recurring and then mix in others, et cetera. But just to break up the monotony of the day. Otherwise, you can just, burp, you know, it's pure lethargy. and You're just going to sit there and do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that's why working on the channel has been kind of like, OK, this is a lot. And, and it keeps my yeah. mind active and everything like that. But I did try and go out to get uh, toilet paper this morning at the Target. And they only had the smaller ones available. Then I went over to uh, Costco. Holy Mary, mother of God, dude. That was insane. Didn't even stand that long. I was like, like, this is nuts. It's like, it looks like a theme park. They've set out the steel barriers. And I was like, well, how long? And I sat in that line for an hour. I think I went four people or five people. And I was like, yeah, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. Yeah, Uh, You got to get there like six in the morning or some shit. And then they were out of toilet paper anyway. So I was like, well, what's the point of even going in here? So I, I don't understand the logic, though, that people are like, okay, like everything is fine. I know you're home, mm-hmm. but they just passed the package. So people are going to be fine. There's money. It's fine. But still, people are nutty panic buying like crazy. Um, and I think the stores are also having to like keep people like minimum amount of people in the store, which is what's also causing the lines. They can't have people just storming the store uh, and having yeah. people like not keep that six feet of distance. Exactly. Uh, I had to go to Home Depot twice yesterday and sat oh, wow. insanely long line for the first one. And the second one had a long line, but I had right. a touch of stuff. I had to go pick up a couple things. I used what I needed. And I was like, you know what? I might as well return it now because I'm not going to be going back to Home Depot for a while. And this is just going to sit here. <laughs> It is. I, I don't have, I mean, I'm going to have other stuff to do around our place, but right. I'm eating for the next week. Like that's, that's my goals. We have so many fucking weeds. It's, it's amazing. And I hate weeding. It's one of my all time. Like I fucking hate weeding. Uh, my, it was a punishment chore type of thing I had to do as a kid. Yeah. Eventually it became part of, Oh, if you want to make your allowance, you got to go weed and just hate. I hate (laughs) (laughs) I am happy to do anything else around here. Anything else. I don't care what it is. But next week, it's going to be fucking weeding, man. (laughs) Damn weeds. I'm going to be on my knees and ass for hours. You go outside, you weed that. No. No. Whoa. My dad is the type of dude who spins. He loves his guard. He doesn't do it as much anymore. Right. Because where they live, they've got too many like deer walking through and stuff and, and you know, bigger animals than that, too. And they're just going to eat it all. Yeah. What's the fucking point? And he's like, oh, I understand that. So he would spend seven, eight hours there Friday, Saturday and Sunday. Loved it. Oh spent weekends. Oh, my God. Really? Oh, yeah. Wow. Just crazy talk. And just so it's not like there was a little bit of fucking weeding. Yeah. <laughs> just 
this is a good six hour project. Go have fun and be like, I fucking hate weeding. I hate weeding. <laughs> Followed by having to mow after it just rained, but there's oh got- yeah. And just you're pushing through mud at certain points. And you're like, this fucking sucks. I, I feel bad for the people who used to do it before Walkman. Like I had a Walkman cassette and mm. CD whenever I would mow the lawn. And of course, now you have the you, you the iPhone or whatever if you have to do any kind of yard work. But like that's oh, was always the saving grace. At least I can listen to my music while I did this. Mm-hmm. Because just sitting there with my own thoughts for four hours as I weed or mow the grass would have drove me insane. For me, it's raking leaves. I fucking hate raking leaves that was also okay. uh, on your side like the punishment my dad would be like because we had this massive hill in our backyard growing up in virginia sure so raking those leaves all the way down the fucking hill then putting it in the bag and then the, you get the stray leaf yeah. that's hanging out so your father can walk out and go well you missed a few you missed a few up there you oh. Up there. oh you bastard if they've been sitting there for a while so the bottom layer is already starting to fucking deteriorate oh yeah get there and rake for like 20 minutes to get all of it up and you're like, oh, now I gotta pick it up and touch it. It's fine when they're all dry and fluffy, but this group like slimy, primordial <laughs> knows what's growing in this. Go pick it up. Yeah. Fearful of whatever bugs you're gonna find. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I but I still hate weeding more because it was instant. Leaves is just fall. Yeah, yeah. My dad never did me. He liked doing the weeding like your dad. So I didn't get in. I, I never got that task because he would always just get upset if I didn't do it well enough. So he would just do it himself. But the Dude. Uh, the the mowing and the the raking that was definitely my my uh, area. So in in um, high school, there was a neighborhood by us that their policy for uh, leaves was they took it out to the curb and then the city came through and picked it up. Right. Um. So my buddy had this like Volvo, you know, those Volvo family car tank things from the nineties. They all look the same. They were holdover from cold wear era manufacturing plant. Volvo. And he was like, Oh shit. And we just drove through like as many of them as we could just kicking up leaves. So (laughs) 16 year old as an adult, you'd be like, you fucking pricks. But we're just like, bang, and eventually, we're, I mean, we're just giggling. You know what I mean? It's, it's, <laughs> and eventually, my, uh, after doing this, like, a couple times in one night, we just probably took out, like, 15 total piles, uh, my buddy's car starts smoking because a few leaves had gotten into where the engine was. Oh, shit. But there's just smoke coming up, and we're like, maybe we should stop. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> That's fucking brilliant, man. <laughs> yeah, well, we, we don't get that shit out here, so. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It's rarely where you get any kind of that raking of the leaves type of thing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And every place I've, I've ever lived out here, they have someone who, like, does the gardening or does all that kind of jazz yeah. for us, thank God. So I don't have to worry about that crap, you know, but maybe something. No, I'm, I'm officially doing out. that stuff now, so. Yeah. Boo. Yeah. Homeowner. Homeowner. Yeah, uh, there are trade-offs. Have you watched anything new? You said you've been watching movies. Or are you just going back and watching stuff that you already enjoyed before? Was there any new movie that you took a chance on? Mostly so far, just TV shows. Oh, okay. Cool. Just cool, cool. Try and did the run through Tiger King. Looking forward to Ozark what, tomorrow. Yeah. I just uh, started make, Tiger King yesterday. What? How many in are you? I'm just one because I was like, okay. this is beyond nuts. Like, I don't know if I'm going to finish it out but everyone seems to say like stick with it it gets even crazier 
So oh, yeah. maybe I will. Usually the problem with for me with these documentaries is they don't have enough to fill out the order run that they're doing. Right, right. They're just, there's a lot of flashbacks in the story. Like you're retelling the same story kind of over and over and over to pad the six episodes. Yeah. And this one, it's like, no, man, every twist and turn, like they just keep stacking. They just keep stacking. And wow. it's, this story, I mean, it's, it's crazy. All right. All it's, right. I guess I'll do it. Um, Yeah. We, you know, we can talk about it at a later date after you've seen it and everybody else is caught up. That might not be a bad idea to do a little mini review on the top 10. Are sure. you, have you been have you been writing any stand-up while you're uh, chilling out there at the house or no? Uh, not really. I mean, honestly, okay. it has been, oh, shit, those is happening. We're showing off the apartments. Like, the fear has been that side of it. So that's all my brain has been focused on is mm-hmm. basically that and then the day-to-day BS of whatever regular life is. But Right. Out of extraneous shit. Uh, <laughs> so now that that's done, yeah, I'll have even more free time. Trust me, I'm going to try and get out of weeding as much as I possibly can. <laughs> it's got to be done, but Garcetti's keeping us here for at least another month. That's true. But people are looking for work, so maybe you can hire someone to do your weeding, man. Why not? <laughs> uh, quite possibly. Yeah, but. Like <laughs> I could do it myself and just suck it up and not enjoy it. Be finished and then That's true. It never is. <laughs> well, I mean, uh I hope all of you all who are listening or watching us are doing what you can do to kind of like, you know, g- deal with the self-isolation uh and as Matt said, take that time for yourself to kind of detox and relax a little bit, but also kind of work on things to kind of you know, maybe give you some new skills or uh, kind of open the door to another thing. You know, it's, there's nothing better than making use of the time you've been given. Cause obviously this wasn't something you wanted to do, but you've been kind of forced to do by the government or by whatever, whoever's in charge of whatever's going on there. So maybe you turn this into a positive from a negative and, and do something uh, that kind of pu- pushes you forward. So hopefully all of you are doing that. In your own way. May I? Yeah, of course. Do you know of some other entity other than a government that's... uh... (laughs) Well, I mean, like, businesses have taken it upon themselves, too, to kind of send people home or furlough people. That's what I mean. But the government themselves is like, don't go to the parks, don't go to the beaches. But the businesses, owners are the ones going like, all right, stay home. You know, that kind of thing. So, Or you're furloughed, something like that. True. But there's also businesses where they're water power and other things are getting cut off here in the city because they're non-essential to get them to close. (laughs) Right. I didn't know we were doing that. And I read an article about that the other day. I was like, wow, that is full on extreme. And of course you get the nuts coming out. Oh, this is the way they want to control us. This is the way they want to do this and turn us into a police state martial law. And I'm like, "Uh, you know, this is just because Americans just hate being told what to do and they will try to get away with as much as possible until you have to force them to finally stop doing something. And that's what I think turning off the water and power is all about. Just like you guys don't listen, do you get the hell home, shut the damn business down. Yeah. Yeah. True. I don't know. Weird time because there is no blueprint for this type of situation. We have one for every other natural disaster, but yeah, it's been a long time since we had something this and to be able to recognize it in real time for what it is. So people could basically, you know, distance themselves and try and slow down the pace of this fucking thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're just thankful. I'm thankful we don't live in New York, man. Cause that's like, that feels like 
a mass unit out there. And I feel so bad for anybody who's in New York and dealing with that stuff because man, it's just crazy. Yeah, it is. It is. And the fact that people leaving there have to self quarantine just because of the threat of contagion getting out from there. Yeah. At what point do you like lock down the Island and just you're in your own quarantine zone? It's like every point elliptic movie. Uh, but I, I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's we'll weird. See. It's really weird. It's hard not to talk about it, but I don't want to talk about it. But yeah. you not talk about it. Because yeah, everybody's heard it and we're all experiencing it. So it's not like we're going to shed fucking new light on this experience for anybody out there. And yet it is so uniquely bizarre. It's impossible not to be like the reality of the situation. Showing, have you seen like the, the clips where they put together of uh, foreign landmark cities, usually wildly busy areas oh yeah 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 fly drones over it and take pictures and i saw like a collage of you know it's 28 days later across the world there's right. just tumbleweeds of newspaper going down and you're like all right this seems a little spooky <laughs> the vegas ones were the most interesting ones to look at i went to a wormhole the vegas ones all these places they're used to seeing like teeming with people just seeing like different times of the days nobody there or Three Dude. to four people walking at separate spots, you know, completely away from each other. It's so interesting, man. There was, I read an article in the Post about, um, so uh, they were talking about the early rollout in Vegas and what was mm. happening. And they went and talked to a smaller casino owner and he was having a discussion. I actually don't know where the keys are for the doors. <laughs> We've been open straight for 18 years. It's never... So he had to find the keys, and I'm like, that's actually a damn good point. There is a set of keys that never get used. Exactly. <laughs> what up with these things? Uh, oh, so nutty. Well, well, we'll try to take your mind off of it because uh, we got ourselves a fun little top 10 show going on today. Uh, and a uh, big shout out to one of our big uh, uh, fans, patrons, and helpers to the top 10 show christos alexakos we are doing his topic he is a patron of the show and uh kind of a thank you for all the hard work he's done for us we asked him to please pick a topic in honor of him uh and so he has chosen that topic right matt yeah after i mean d- just going busting his ass to get all the relists and the shout outs although we're supposed to be doing shout outs today but there was a snafu on the list so we'll have it for next week uh yeah, definitely next week yeah, yeah, we'll do it on the, the following week's show. So apologize for the delay on the shout outs. Uh, but, it, you know, we, we will get to it as, as we always do. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, he, I mean, Chris helps us so much. And we both had the discussion of he's never picked a show and we've never, you know, this seems like something be tailor made as a thank you for yeah. all the countless time in tracking down people and whatnot uh, for that show. So our thank you to him. And he chose what foreign speaking directors yeah best film english rather right best films by a non-english director uh and so it was an interesting list no he chose the directors singularly not the films the breakdown is the best basically you're picking the individual director yeah oh yeah right, right 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 yeah 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 that's fine oh no i misread it yeah all right, I chose directors. I apologize. Oh, that's fine. 
I'm sure those directors have directed great films that you've enjoyed. So you just pick one film from each of those directors. So you're good to go. It's no big deal. Yeah, but it's a it's a different calculus at that point because sometimes okay. an individual film from one is higher than the collective, but I chose to put uh-huh. the collective because he had a higher output of work that I loved. Well, do you want me to vamp for like five minutes while you adjust no. your list? Okay. No, no, no. I just my my list is in error and I apologize. Uh my hair is looking great. Are you ready for three months of no haircut? <laughs> There's what no fucking way that's happening. There's no yes. way that's happening. Social distancing. You're going to let some person who's been in close proximity with people all day long be in proximity to you. That's called a non-essential business, man. <laughs> I see so, people freaking out about this and I'm just like, nah, man. I'm going to call like uh, my hairdresser and ask her like, okay, what's your situation? Are you taking people? Do you have a chair at your house? Uh, and what's the distance between? Um, but maybe you're right. Your hair from six feet away. Yeah, that's a good point. Maybe right. Maybe because she, maybe she has multiple people coming to talk to her, she could spread it to me. Ah, that's a good point. But if I wear no, my I mask the whole time, if I wear my mask the whole time, doesn't that take care of the problem? I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure it minimizes the problem. It doesn't take care of it. Yeah. Reduce Damn. your well, risk. I, don't eliminate it unless you go just shave it. Full respirator. You wear eye protection, I guess, perhaps in case you like <laughs> in your area. Uh, I might just shave it, Matt. I might just shave it all and keep it bald until uh, this is over, and then let it grow out again. Go that back to be. the the military high and tight. Yeah, that's certainly a possibility. I'm sure Lindley wouldn't mind cutting the cutting my hair. So now that she's going to be home and cutting just cutting it all off, so wouldn't be a problem. I don't think it's a shame I don't live near my mom because my mom is a hairdresser. I could just go over to her wow. house and have her do it for me. So unfortunately, yeah. you know. Sad, but true. Uh, anyway, so yeah, so this week we're doing best films by a foreign language director um, not or non-English director, non-English speaking director. So I imagine foreign language director, but you say non-English because for some people, these are their, who are listening to us, these are their country's directors. So I want to say non-English speaking director is what we put out. So this is going to be a fun list, certainly a very personal list for both of us. And there are some mm-hmm. things that are on there because I respect it as a work of art. And there are some things that are on there because I just love it. And, and that's just, and that's that. So uh, I think, I don't know how Matt did his list, but that's how I did my list. So, uh, yes, I, well, I did my list incorrectly. So, um, yeah, you want to jump right in? Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. You want to tell me how it works? Once we set a topic, we go our individual ways. Some of us screw it up. Others get it right. <laughs> Personal top 10 list. We create the show. Uh, we Then we show back up here. Look at this. I'm all kind of jumbled. I, I love it. Three. He does his bottom three. I do my next two. He does his next two. Then we trade one apiece. Once we have revealed our personal top 10 list, we create the shows between the two of us. Kaboom. All okay. right. Uh, I mean, my, by and large, I'm happy with the list overall. Okay. Cool. All right. So at 10, I put down Alfonso Cuaron, and I'll take, I'd say Azkaban is his best movie. Oh, wow. Okay. Just for pure rewatchability for, uh-huh. uh, did you pick him as the, one of his movies? No, I did not. No, I did not. Okay. We could punt that way. Uh, yeah, because I was looking at the body of work. He's like, he's made two or three films that I think mm-hmm. are good, if not excellent. But in a couple, I see on a decent clip, one in particular. Yeah. Uh, Azkaban is everybody's favorite of the Harry Potter, but it really is, you saw the depth of the story in that one. Like how, it, you know, it's a mature story and it finally really reveals itself to be that. 
in that moment. There's been the looming danger before, but now you see the dark side of this world of creating, and it gives you a sense of scope as to how bad Voldemort really is. Uh, so uh, that was my number 10. I think that's a great choice. I mean, I, I would probably lean more towards gravity just because we would, I think we talked about it a couple of weeks ago or a week ago about the visuals of that whole thing uh, going on. But Azkaban is a great choice. I do enjoy that movie. I love what he was able to do with the characters. And certainly it is a leap from the Christopher Columbus first two films into the Quaron film. Like it's like you do in your own life when you're a kid, as soon as you cross that line into that early teen mm. years, you start to understand that the world is not as black and white as you remember, as you were told or as good and evil as you were told mm-hmm. that there is a lot of gray and there's a lot of complicated stuff that goes on between friends over the years, you know, and twists and turns and betrayals, all that kind of stuff. But I mean, of course the film also comes back to remembering the power of family and the power mm-hmm. of love and all of that. So you see it all through that movie, but it never lets go of the darkness and the serious black character is so fantastic when he's introduced in the movie that uh, it's just such a, one of these legendary characters that Gary Oldman creates throughout his entire yeah. uh, resume, you know? So it's just fantastic. I enjoyed it too. But yeah. Further cementing, uh, dude, that guy just, he can be anything he wants. Yeah. Or, um, it's, Truly impressive when you look at someone was talking about how like wide a range an actor was. It was on Twitter and in essence, someone put back and be like, yeah, but what about Oldman? And just created a collage. And when you look at this massive list of completely different characters, it's, you know, he's a chameleon flat yeah. out. Agreed. All right. So that was my 10, mm-hmm. my nine in my incorrect list. I chose Del Toro. Hmm. And for him, I think I'll go Hellboy. Okay. Nice choice, man. Um, yeah, be that or be Hellboy too. But you have those two. Pan's Labyrinth is super interesting. Yeah. Uh, water, I think I'm going to less like less over time. Me too. It's already waning. I liked it in the moment. And then now in hindsight, it's just like, eh. It's yeah. not, it's Del Toro, I still, he made my list. Um, so, yeah, and Hellboy, I mean, we've, we've talked about it. It comes up on comic book movie lists. Um, you know, relatively often it's mm-hmm. to bring the life, you know, to use his eccentricities within that one, then it flourishes even more in the second one. But to bring to light this ridiculous character that looks so real from moment one, you give him all basically the all your confidence is instilled within him from the jump in that movie because it's yeah, like Guardians of the Galaxy when you hear like there's a talking tree and a talking raccoon. It's utterly ridiculous, but you see the execution. You're like, well, they know exactly what those characters are. From, mm-hmm. uh, and he pulls that off, you know, beautifully. I haven't seen Crimson Peak. Was that any good? No, it really wasn't. Uh, that's the thing yeah. with, with Del Toro is there's an uneven nature to his films that can bother. Uh, at least it bothers me. Uh, okay. the one that, when he knocks it out of the park, he knocks it out of the park. But when he doesn't, it's pretty telling how limiting limited he can be as a filmmaker with some of his movies that don't work like crimson's peak um and a number of other films that he's done that i just wasn't the biggest fan of and i do think shape of water i agree with you i think shape of water is like all of us getting caught up with this idea of like him winning an oscar and and this film is such an interestingly unique film and the blending of the fantastical with the realism of the world and the time period it's set all of that was fun but in the long run, are people going to be talking about this film like they talk about Pan's Labyrinth or they talk about Hellboy? Yeah, I don't think so. Other, you know, yeah, I agree with you. I don't think so. But visually, you you can never question the man's 
eye as a director. It's incredible mm -hmm. what he's able to bring to life. And he's also one of the most affable people you'll ever meet, just a ball of warmth. And it kind of blows you away how that incredibly nice, fun, playful dude, mm -hmm. jolly guy can create such some of the most uh, spine tingling horror or edge of your seat stuff. It's really surprising. Yeah. I mean, they always say the guys that play the villains, if you meet them in real life, they're the nicest people you've ever met. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. But they manage to play like an excellent villain. Maybe it's just they tap into everything they're not. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Type of thing. And, and don't get to be. So they get to play around with it. Yeah. 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 It's just something they would never be, but it's always fascinated them because it's, yeah. It's the polar opposite. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, what's your number eight? Uh, I took, uh, Frank Capra. Oh, damn. Life. Didn't even think about Capra. Wow, that's a great choice. He's Italian. I made sure yeah, I, I was like, because I always heard he's like, he's not from here. But I was like, really? With a name like Frank Capra? Yep. He's like East Coast somewhere, uh, especially Frank. Yeah. Um, Francis Capra. Like, All right. <laughs> 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 it it lends more credence in my mind. Yeah, Frank yeah, yeah. seems like just such an American type of, you know, Italian, you know, it's Frank Capra. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> just makes me do that. Hey. Uh, but it's a wonderful life. Look, I was late to this, and this is how good it is. Yeah. It's, it Knowing what the story is beforehand, uh, and I was, you know, this was five years ago or something that I watched the first time four years ago, and held off like kind of like, I already know what the movie is. You see it in his as good as advertised, the pacing is excellent for a movie from then. It's crazy how good the pacing is and yeah. a really fully, you know, formed story. It's got distinct acts in it. And, uh, I mean, it's, it's impressive all these years later. Yeah. How ahead of his time he was in this movie. Cause it's still damn, damn good. I see why it's a freaking Christmas classic. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about it on the show, but it's worth uh, pointing out over and over again. The the thing about this movie that makes it incredible is the fact that it it's about suicide. It's really about yeah. suicide. This guy confronting his life and at that moment ready to take his own life. And yes, it's a Christmas movie. It's in the end a feel-good movie, but there's a lot of darkness in this movie throughout. And it's yeah. pretty surprising how it became a Hollywood, I mean, a, a, a holiday classic. Because, I mean, you have the stuff with Donna Reed and her, like, smashing that record and her frustration. And Jimmy Stewart mm -hmm. comes back in and he, he, like, grabs her. And he says, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do blah, blah, blah. And he's just like, wow. Yeah, when he yells at the kids. Tense. Yeah, yeah. Just a dad bringing his day home. With, my dad did it to me, too. I'm, oh, sure. Kids, I, unfortunately, you try not to, but they're just eight. Right. Where like, oh, my fucking God. And just, I can't deal with this. <laughs> yeah. I just can't. Learn the song already. Just exactly. Yeah, just exactly. Eh, playing in the background and you're just looking for anything. This powder keg is already exploding. Yeah. 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 But, uh, but also the way he paces the film is great too. Cause he does give you a villain that all of us can universally know, right? This person mm -hmm. who's a rich person who doesn't care about uh, people who are, you know, like struggling or have had some bad breaks in their life. All he cares about is the ledger, the numbers in the ledger and uh, the way that leads to terrible treatment of human beings and terrible treatment of people. And so it's something you can relate to. And then you see what the vision 
is of the world without him, you know, and so many of us get caught up in, and I think a lot of people do who probably who commit suicide or have mental health issues. They don't really Mm -hmm. see how other people see them, the value that people see in their presence in their lives. So when that gets removed, it feels almost like, yes, I should do this because it doesn't make any sense. And I'm not, I'm not happy here. And in the long run, it leads to what it leads to. But if you don't get the right karma, and that's the thing, the angel shows up, shows him what his life could have been like or what the world would have been like without him. And yeah. he realizes how much more an effect he has on the world. And it's not even an arrogant thing. It's more a matter of like, this is how many people you've touched, you know? So I love it for that reason. Yeah, it's it's an absolute classic. And uh, I'm glad that I finally came around to it. Um, <laughs> well, it's just you get told it so many times it felt like I'd already seen it. So the magic, oh, yeah. it would have been lost. It's just like, I know the entire beats of this movie. Now I didn't, but in that, I don't know the, like the hearing loss fully. I didn't know the backstory right. that type of thing, but I, I pieced together. Then they have like something, uh, cause of the whispering thing uh, yeah. over the years. Uh, but anyway, um, but yeah, it's it, good job. Capra. It's a wonderful life. It's making the list. <laughs> what do you got at 10? Co-signed by Matt Nost. I got to look up this person's name because I'll tell you the name of the movie. Uh, because I, I may have it. it. Okay. Uh, it's, uh, who, what's his name? Uh, yes, Oliver Hirschbeagle is the name of the uh, uh, director. He's a German. Uh, I do not have is... Oliver Hirschbeagle's <laughs> okay. name on my list. Well, that's the thing. I did, if, if, if we were looking at like breadth of work, yeah, that yeah. Would have been, of course, my list would no, have been different, but but for me, you did it right. I screwed up. So uh, no, what, okay. Well, direct. Well, well, he directed Downfall, which is one of my favorite films ever. The the Hitler well, film, the not the Hitler one. Okay, yeah, with Bruno Ganz as Hitler. I think you know there have been so many different movies that have portrayed Hitler, and you've seen the Nazi regime from a certain point of view, but this is one that really walked that line of trying to show you a person in all their dimensions who has just been like kind of categorized as evil. And of course he is evil. He did terrible things, killed Mm -hmm. thousands of Jews in the Holocaust and everything like that. His policies were terrible to people in the LGBTQ community. So many people were uh, uh, victims. And of course he started a world war. So, so many people died, not just in his own country, but around the world because of actions that he took. Um, But looking at this film is about the exploration of those final few days when he's in that bunker. And then you see the kind of just dedication that his people had to him. That is just unsettling and so weird to me to see that because like, I'm just so always hyper aware of people who are lying or backstabbing or, you know, like manipulating situations. And so that Mm -hmm. when I'm in it, I know, look, I know I'm being manipulated, but I'm going to do this of my own free will. Uh, but these people like are just so willingly going along with him all the way to the end. And you see the progression of the mania, right? And you see it through this actress, through the characters, right? The young secretary's uh, uh, point of view. Uh, I think Alexandra Maria Luna, I think is her name. And you see yeah. through her point of view and her watching the progression of Hitler just kind of devolve mm-hmm. into this maniac by the end. Uh, where he takes his own life and he has these like quiet moments with her quiet scenes with her uh, that you just enjoy watching me personally. Cause you, you know, remove yourself from the situation, just watching an actor yeah. do this characterization and the film overall works really well as a, as a piece about that time. It does um, to be in his, that inner bunker. Yeah. 
And those, those, you know, when you see, uh, 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 what's her name? Ava, was it Ava Braun? Yeah, Ava Braun, yeah. Getting drunk with all the other people, knowing that the ship is sinking and might as well right. enjoy the last few moments that I can. Uh, yeah. The desperation, you can see it within, you know, her eyes as she's kind of floating through the scene, realizing yeah. that this is all fleeting and it's about to end. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a brutal movie. Yeah, and I got it got unfairly vilified because people people came out and were like, "Oh, they're humanizing Hitler." He was a human. I think yeah. one of the things that is good to do is to explore how these things can happen, why these mm-hmm. things happen, and understand the human underneath the 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 evilness, yeah. so that you can understand and see the patterns before exactly. they develop. If this if this ever happens again, and, yeah. and so for me, that's what I enjoy about the movie. And Gans did a fantastic job. Bringing him to life. So if, he, if you just make him a monster, then and you don't look at it as a person, then you're going to fall yeah. into the trap of of everything you're talking about, not being able to spot the warning signs earlier. Yeah, that that was a monster. That was crazy. That will never happen again. Type of thing. But don't even worry about it. Like it's already happened, so we need to worry about it because exactly. And if we don't, yeah. Uh, uh, all right. What all do you right. got next? My number nine, and I had to I had to limit the number of Kurosawa films on this thing, but I had to okay. go with this one, and that is Ron, R A N, the Akira Kurosawa film that he did about King Lear. Okay, he, how do you how do you want to do this? Because I have Kurosawa. Oh, okay. Oh, do you yeah, want to talk okay. about both movies then, or do you want to talk about this one now? Because I was going to choose another one; it's probably on your list anyway. Okay, well then let's wait. Then that's fine. Let's punt it, and we'll okay. talk about it when we get to where whoever has it highest. Then we'll talk about all the films. Well, do you think? Yeah. Or no? Okay. That's fine. Yeah, it's fine. I just okay. we're gonna have one for sure because I did write a director and I picked my favorite movie. On some of them, I put two and three, just like yeah, ah, yeah, yeah, one type of thing. I totally uh, get it. Yeah, I can play along with the we pick one movie. Okay. Uh, my then my number two or my sorry my number eight uh, is the French film Breathless, and I think it's from Jean-Paul Belmondo if I've got that right. Okay. Uh, oh, no, I'm sorry. Jean-Paul Belmondo is the actor. I apologize. It is uh, Jean-Luc Godard, uh, Breathless. This is one of... Um, I remember when I was getting into the idea of foreign film, the French cinema is the thing that... And Japanese cinema are the two things that drove me into foreign film, right? But mm-hmm. the French uh, uh, cinema, I'm a little more judgmental of the French cinema than I am of Japanese cinema. So for me, uh, Breathless was one of those ones that kind of broke through and it's one that I come back to all the time and revisit because I okay. really enjoy the nature of the film and what happens in it. Jean-Paul Belmondo is the actor. He's the lead in the film and he plays this guy who's running from the law, a low-level gangster. He like hooks up with this girl and what they do and these conversations they have throughout the city as he keeps escaping the cops and escaping being hunted down uh, by the people throughout Paris. And he's just kind of walking and, and they're talking about life and having philosophical discussions about the world and all this kind of things. But all this other action is happening around them as they're having these random discussions about stuff. And it's just mm-hmm. fascinating, you know, and I, I don't know if you ever had this experience in college, but I think people have this experience where they randomly like just have a weird day with somebody out of nowhere because they had extra time in the day and one thing leads to another. And it's just like a one day thing. 
And yeah. I had that with a couple of people before in my life. And so it's just like, this is very reminiscent of that, but I also enjoy the script. I enjoy the, the direction throughout and the way he kind of makes you feel as if you're walking alongside them or with them while they're having the conversation, the camera becomes like another person uh, in the conversation. So I just thoroughly enjoy the movie. It's one I come back to all the time and I'm not Sweet. always the biggest uh, Jean-Luc Godard fan or French new wave fan, but this okay. one really does it for me. Yeah. All right. Nice. Yeah, I haven't. I wish I could add to that. I don't believe I've seen it. So, oh, okay. And don't watch the Richard Gere remake for fuck's sake. Um, <laughs> all right, what's your number seven, bro? Uh, seven. I'm gonna take uh, Birdman. Okay, Andro and Arutu. Yeah. Uh, um, just a fantastic. I was spellbound the first time I saw that movie. Mm-hmm. Absolutely spellbound until the very end, and I loved. The ending, the entire message of it, this way, attempting to do one continuous shot uh, and just following around the the music within it as it builds in certain moments, like with drums, uh, whatnot, really adds to the overall texture of the movie. And it's interesting to basically do a meta movie um, and an actor contemplating, I've done this other one role and I go, I want to do this over here. Am I just dealing with the struggle of, of identity and self-worth mm. it just, it sang to me. The, that was a year to me. that was clearly, that was my favorite picture of the movie, the, the year hands down. That would hold up, you know, test of time for me. Uh, but it's also one that I will wait durations of time and then watch it again type of thing. I can't, yeah. it won't be on constant rotation for me, but every you know few years sit down, you know, watch that again. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. Absolutely. That's one of my uh, favorites as well. Certainly the rebirth of Michael Keaton, uh, yeah. who had been kind of sitting on the sidelines doing direct to DVD films or direct to syndication type films. Um, and we had forgotten, or we had like been wor- wondering whatever happened to Michael Keaton and been waiting for him to come back in some form. Mm-hmm. He's such a talent that you can only resist him for so long. And yeah. he finally found his way into this position and he was fantastic in the movie and I've enjoyed him and just about everything else he's done since that time as well. Uh, he's just been so, so good. Pretty much. I mean, he's had a few just, you know, kind of DOA. They were bland, but it's, it's also a sign of quality on some level because he just keeps get to getting to churn out work. He is consistently yeah. working at this point. Yeah. And I think I believe the story goes he in essence was not blackballed, but he didn't want to do that next Batman. Yeah. And they offered him an absurd amount of money and he turned it down and all the other studios went, I can't believe you turned this down type of thing. And, and you know, in essence, if you're not willing to do that for that one, it's such an easy moneymaker we'll move on type deal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, but in, 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 is a fantastic director. So it's a great choice, Matt. Uh, what's your, what's your six? Uh, six. I've got spirited away. Oh, okay. Definitely. Man. Uh, Take it away. I figured that's going to end up on your list. Yeah. Yeah. You got to choose one. Um, there's a bunch to choose from, but that is the one that I think really hooked me into that world and, and mm-hmm. kind of opened up this huge catalog of other movies that you know, go and explore. Some I like more than others. Um, you know, some I find interesting standalones in and of themselves, but Spirited Away is one where I can revisit that. I could go back. The magic 
that they're creating within it or he creates within it through his yeah. direction uh, really, really speaks. And it cuts across, you know, different cultures because it's in essence taking like aspects of Japanese folklore and telling a modern tale with it. Mm-hmm. And it, that type of to realize that there are all those stories are relatively universal. This is just their version of telling something that we may have heard. Yeah. Yeah. But it cuts across cultural differences and, you know, different languages you can dub it into. And the message and theme is universal to all. It's really impressive, especially that's what I like about animation. You can take these dramatic leaps because you can do all possibilities are there. So you can tell an advanced story uh, with all this amazing imagery that you wouldn't be able to do in CGI. Yeah, normally. Yeah. It is one of those ones. I, you know, he, a lot of people love the Miyazaki films and, and what they bring to the table. And some people don't, uh, and they almost feel like a cult thing because when people talk about Disney or Pixar or all these things, they rarely like bring up the Miyazaki stuff at the same level as those other films. They see them as like art house animation films and they're actually more than that. And so when you yeah. watch them, actually watch them, you can connect to the universal themes and the concepts that are being brought up. Mm-hmm. in the film so yeah absolutely spirited away is one of those ones too like where you're just like well what's real what isn't real what a fantastical exploration of this idea and the family and everything like that so yeah definitely yeah yeah i mean like her parents turning into pigs and it reminds you kind of uh, of the boys turning into donkeys and pinocchio right. Right, right, right bringing in this motif um but that would look strange in cgi whereas in animation it's a more palatable transition mm-hmm at least to watch, like, like, uh, um, oh shit, what was the name of that fucking movie? Damn it, came out last summer. Okay, it was about the guy. Um, he was a telemarketer, and then eventually okay. figured out if he did his white voice. Oh, sorry to bother you. Sorry to bother. Thank you. I'm, yeah, I'm thinking about the the damn poster of him on it, and then it just has the wording around, and I couldn't visualize the damn title. But when they transition in the third act, I don't want to spoil. You know what I mean? It doesn't look real. It's like, well, okay. Plus that movie, that when it makes that turn, I'm like, you lost me. You had me up until <laughs> then, and you just fucking lost me. Uh, I get what you're saying, but you, you've you already expressed a lot. Um, especially when he's on the stairs rapping. Mm-hmm. That was too. That was so honest. So honest. <laughs> I was laughing because it hurt. Yeah, yeah. But I was laughing in the theater. I was like, that's so fucking funny. That is so funny. That is, I've been in rooms where that has happened. And you're yeah. like, this is disgusting. It's <laughs> one of those universal truths that you have experienced or you've watched, or maybe even yep. some, somebody's been guilty, somebody you know, yeah. or somebody's been guilty. Or, yeah. or you're watching it happen. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah. That's or you never thought about it. You see it and you're like, oh, that is so, that's so true. That is, yeah. so true. <laughs> that has to be what the way it is because it just yeah. seems honest. And I, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I remember like a big college frat party type of thing. I never joined, yeah. but I had friends in it. So I, they'd invite me, hey, you want to come? We're doing this thing. It's like, sure, why not? Otherwise, I'm going to a house party in my neighborhood type of thing. Right, right. You know, six one way, half a dozen the other. Let's go over here. And they, they hired, they would hire bands and rappers and every once and again, like a few times a year. I, I've been in that room. I have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sad as that is to say, so it's but spirited away. Yeah, <laughs> uh, his work overall is absolutely impressive. But this is the oh, one that yeah. unlocked, you know, uh, 
all those films for me and yeah. kind of brought me back a little bit towards it was you know when I was coming back to animation and enjoying it again uh, that was one of the things that kind of helped basically reinvigorate something that I used to love nice nice uh all right well then my number seven is uh Bong Joon-ho and I put Parasite there all right that is a pun Okay. All right. Fair enough. Then my number six is uh, Old Boy, uh, Park Chan Wook's film, uh, the original. Uh, great call. Yeah. Great call. Okay. Yeah. This is one that I just, I, I know we've talked about it before and you mentioned this. It's not one you're going to run back and see over and over again, but True. the effect of seeing it once is enough to last you a lifetime uh, because it is such uh a interesting film with so many twists and turns that you think is one thing at one second and then mm-hmm. it's a completely different thing in the next and when it makes that turn or makes that switch you're just like what what am i watching now what have i been watching the whole time and then you have to like in real time as you're watching the rest of the movie your mind can't help but drift back to the scenes you saw before and you're like oh my god Oh my God, what am I watching here? And then when you see that end, that brutal, brutal ending, uh, you're just like, wow, this is just, you can't let go of that feeling ever again. It's one of those films, like, like I said, you watch it once and you'll never forget your reaction to that twist when it happens at the end. And yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. And when you watch it again, it's an even richer experience to see where the clues were throughout the whole movie. And it's just so well directed. The pace of it, the cinematography, the colors that he uses, the times yeah. when things are hazy, the times when things are clear, um, the brutality and the flashbacks, the innocence of the flashbacks and what they lead to. So much of it is just so mixed in in such a fantastic way that it's one of those ones that I own and I will pop on every few months and just watch uh, it because it's just, it's just such a good, well-made film, fantastic script, and the pacing of it works so well. And it's a long film. It's not a short film, uh, but you and you never feel it. You never feel it. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, the first time I watched that, I watched it on my phone in an airport. Oh, wow. Well, I was, we had a, a layover, and I was like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I can watch this here, and I got uh, – Wi-Fi reception because battery on my laptop at that time was just shot. So it was like, I can't get anywhere. So I just do this. Uh, and I was utterly riveted. And then I watched it like two weeks later again on my TV. And it was like this fucking, this movie. And then after that, I have, a, I waited a while to see, yeah. see it another time. Uh, but yeah, it's a great choice. Great choice. Yeah. It's worth a rewatch if anyone's listening or watching who hasn't watched it. Uh, well, we're about to jump into our number fives, but uh, first, uh, Matt, we should probably take a break for those who are listening to us on our podcast feed. All right. Uh, welcome back. Thank you so much. Thanks to those sponsors who sponsor the Top Ten Show, and thanks to Matt and I for mm-hmm. voicing and reading the copy for these sponsors. Sure. The top Ten Show. <laughs> so, uh, Matt, what's your number five? So five, I took Parasite. Okay. Oh, so just a mini punt. All right, cool. Yeah, not by much. Okay. Uh, but between that and Snowpiercer, I was like, dude, he's making this list. Uh, yeah. And Parasite, I know I'll be watching. Uh, Jojo Rabbit was still my favorite of this past year, but mm-hmm. Parasite was as good as the hype. Um, and I still saw it relatively early. Mm-hmm. But everybody I know that had managed to get, you know see it at this festival or at this screener or whatnot, it was like, you got to see this one. This one's really good. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you go to see it and it fulfills all those expectations and more. Um, just a beautifully crafted movie from, you know, moment one through, because there's so much that they're showing you within like the visuals to help tell the story. And then the dialogue, the interplay between, I can't wait to go back to see how you can see the dynamics of who they eventually, you know, come to be in these little moments as it's building, uh, it's, you know, final crescendo at the end. Yeah. Uh, and that brutal ending too, on top of that. Well, once again, it's one of these films that like you think is one thing, which is this family sneaking into, uh, this rich family and making fun of them and thinking they can be so crafty and, uh, clever and sneaky and then once they get into that position, what you discover about one of the people that they kind of had removed from that house so they could slide in and take that job. And then it becomes incredibly insane at that point because now you're dealing with three levels of class, you know, mm-hmm. and you're like, there's always someone below you, no matter what level you're at, there's always someone below you and what that person below you might be hiding or holding uh, close to their vest. You just don't know. And when it comes out, you, how do you react to it? You know, so all of yeah. that dancing through is is already enough of a of a, a calling card for the film. But then also the dialogue, the back and forth that happens, the progression of the characters, and that the mm-hmm. twists and turns as this thing picks up speed going down the 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 um, tracks. You're just like, man, this is this is nuts. It becomes so ten. It becomes so tension tense. It becomes so tense and tension filled that you're just not sure who's going to live, who's going to die. Uh, and he doesn't let you off the hook, even at the end, even in the final yeah. seconds of the movie, he doesn't let you off the hook. And I, I, that, I love that. Yeah. The ending, it's another one on top of that. And you're like, all right, you know, Oh, this is the way it's going to end. Okay. No. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. It's just, you know, it's two movies he's made about class warfare. Yeah. Uh, so it's obviously an issue that means, you know, quite a deal to him. Yeah. 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 It's, yeah, it's it's super interesting because it's it's beyond class warfare too because it's a it's a great interplay of just human nature. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I guess that is class warfare on some level, but um, just to break it down and see the microcosm instead of the macro effect, it's uh, almost a human horror film. You could argue like the horror comes from the humans doing the things that they're doing, yeah, uh, being themselves, yeah, and in some way they almost redeemed the rich family. For not being uh, as kind of malevolent, all, or manipulative. Yeah, but they're all bad. Yeah, right, right. So, one is, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, That's one is least bad. But <laughs> time, yeah. You know, they're at the lowest rung of all this. Right. Uh, yeah, it's it's no one no one looks rosy in this. Ultimately, right, right. So. Uh, that was my five. What do you got? I got uh, uh, the director is Andre Tarkovsky. The uh, film is oh, Solaris. Okay. okay, yeah, I I love this film. I've seen it's a three hour film. It's a three hour Russian film, and is one of the greatest sci fi films ever made. Um, and uh, that the remake that Soderbergh did is okay. It's not great, but it's okay. It's good. Uh, okay. But it's not it's not to the level that Tarkovsky's film is, which is about this uh, astronaut, Russian astronaut whose uh, wife has committed murder like four or five. Or, I mean, sorry, committed suicide four or five years prior. And he is sent to go explore this planet 
and he discovers this planet has uh, an, an extraterrestrial creature. The planet itself is an extraterrestrial creature and it creates, it goes inside of his mind and brings out the uh, worst pain of his, which is, which you discover is the suicide of his wife. So it takes mm-hmm. the embodiment of his wife. So his wife shows up on the spaceship yeah. and he has to have these conversations with her about what happened and why it happened and trying to get the answers. And constantly he is like, she, the answers are slipping right off the ends of his fingers throughout the movie as he's trying to also figure out and analyze this creature. And the deeper he tries to analyze the creature, the Mm -hmm. more he can't figure the creature out, like the deeper the hole becomes the, or the distance between understanding the creature becomes the more he tries. It's essentially quicksand, a mental and emotional quicksand, throughout the whole movie and it's okay. so well done so well shot it's a 70s russian film but it's one i go back to all the time uh and it's a criterion collection too if people want to pick it up but it is so worth it it's so incredibly worth it and the soderbergh one did a good job of like a, what do you go summing it up uh in essence with its version yeah. but the the original tarkovsky one gets real deep into what this is all about and this idea of because i mean it's almost like his i think it's his statement about women the more you try to understand them the the deeper the hole becomes because it's not about understanding it's about accepting and so it's just like that kind of thing kind of goes through the whole situation uh throughout it's kind of uh, bumbling under bubbling underneath the surface of it throughout so i always enjoy the movie for that nice yeah. uh, yeah I knew it was a remake when Soderbergh did it, but mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. I have never seen either. Uh, so I, yeah, I know I should, but <laughs> I, I never remember type of thing. It never yeah. comes to the front of my mind. Go, oh yeah, you need to, because I do do that. That's how I saw it's a wonderful life. Eventually it's mm-hmm. like, you got to see this. You just do. You've seen so many others. Why are you, you know, yeah, holding it out on this one? Yeah. But same time, like I've never seen the conversation. I need to see the conversation. Oh yeah, that's. I still cool. haven't seen Fitzcarraldo. I still oh, haven't yeah. seen. I know, but but I'm sure I got these two where you said I've never seen X. Mm-hmm. And you're, really, you haven't seen because that's one of the no brainers to me. But I've got a list yeah. in my head of like you got to get to these at some point. Yeah, yeah. Well, now's the time. We're self isolated. Uh- <laughs> True. If I could talk Catherine into it, I would do it. Ah, yeah. Yeah, she prefers fair. a TV show over a movie, by and large. Same here. Same here, brother. Same yeah, way. so. We're getting into the tunnel. If I can recommend a British show to you, if you guys haven't watched that one, it's on PBS SoCal. Uh, yeah. You got to pay the monthly fee of like five bucks, but it's worth it because it's a fantastic show. Um, and they have a bunch of other shows on there that aren't like regularly available here in the States. Uh, but it's just, it's a, a French What's it called? It's called The Tunnel, and it's based on the Swedish oh. show The Bridge. Uh, and it's Stephen Delane, uh, who was in Darkest Hour, and Adams, yeah. uh, and um, and uh, Clemens Poesy, who was the Bobaton, the lead Bobaton in Harry Potter. She's like this, like autistic, not autistic, but she's just kind of like um, very fo- singularly focused person. Uh, okay. And she's French, and he's English. And the films, the show starts with this uh, um, murder at the tunnel between England and France. And it's this body and you think it's one body when they pull it together, it's actually the legs of one body and the rest of the body of another person. So then they go on this, uh, um, I don't miss the murder mystery trying to figure out what happened here. And we just started the second season, which is a new crime 
uh, having to do with uh, uh, bringing a plane down full of people uh, for a reason. So they're they're together again and trying to figure this out. So it's a pretty awesome series if you uh, if I can recommend it to you. So okay, yeah, and perhaps um, always looking for something new. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So are we do. Yeah, we just grind through TV shows so quickly. Yeah, and, yeah. There's so much of it. So sometimes you're like, I, you know, I'll give it two, three episodes. Like so far through Westwood, I've watched Westwood up to this point. Two episodes in, yeah, I I could give two shits about what's going on so far. Really? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm worried about walking back into it because I might not give a shit about it myself. So you uh, might be best served to wait. I think at this point, I might wait until the end and just bang it all at once because it's not good mm-hmm. enough. It's a week. Yeah. To, even though it'd be in the rotation, but I watch it. I'm like, I don't. I understand what's happening. I just don't understand why they're doing this. Right, right. Okay. Um, anyway. All right. What's your number four? Uh, four for me is going to be On the Waterfront, Ilya Kazan. Ah, yeah, see, I, yeah, great choice. Great choice. Yeah, I mean, oh, look. Oh, he's a foreign filmmaker. Can't deny he is it. A foreign, well, it's a non, because you, you stipulated when you asked. Yeah. Non-English, right. Yeah. Can they speak English in it? Does it have to be all, you know, a different foreign language? In right. Like, no, they could speak English in the film. It's fine. But just somebody, in essence, that was not born in the U.S. Uh, as a filmmaker from uh, elsewhere, outside of this country. Yep. All right. I, I'm good with that. On <laughs> is fantastic. Streetcar is really good. But I chose On the Front because I think it, <clears throat> I think it what? still holds up. Allah, it's a wonderful life. You can watch it today. Just like 12 Angry Men. There's mm-hmm. certain ones from that era that have a pacing that work beautifully for what people are conditioned to in, you know, now watching movies. Yeah. Uh, and the whole, like, I, you know, I could have been a contender. I could have been somebody. I knew that speech. And then the first time you see it, it builds so nicely yeah. for that. That yeah. you, knew, you could have been a contender. And you kind of yeah. rob of that. And his identity and who he is, you feel for him. Yeah, and it's not even about the fact that one person complaining that he could have achieved something greater. It's about the brotherhood. It's about the fact that them as brothers, he didn't take care of him. And Mm -hmm. it was the end of the innocence for Terry Malloy because you, I grew up thinking this was just – uh, the the way it goes that my brother was always going to be there for me and take care of me and put me in a position yeah. and it's my brother who has to come down and tell me that i've got to throw that fight my brother the one he says he says you're supposed to, you were supposed to take care of me you're supposed to look out for me uh and he sacrificed his own brother for his boss and it's like man yeah that- for his own personal gain yep yep yeah and the destruction of that through a simple little speech you knew that they're relationship is completely fractured if not mm-hmm. you know destroyed because of this one decision and it's all yeah. your uh yeah it's really well done if you've never seen on the waterfront go back and watch it it's totally worth it uh, yeah it's an all-timer for a reason i think it's my favorite brando performance uh of any i'd agree with uh, that yeah yeah just you get to see all kinds of, you get to see the innocence you get to see him kind of be the tough kid. Uh, See this more hard edge side, but then to watch him crumble in the cab or his cab or his car or something, whatever later on, just like you feel it the whole time. And then the, the priest trying to get and another class warfare type of thing, Mm, you and value themselves. Like this is a 
you're all in together and you can overcome it, but we have to, you know, solidarity guys. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, stuff with the pigeons is heartbreaking, but yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, all right. My number four then is um, from Ingmar Bergman. It's the seventh seal. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you've seen this one, Matt. Have you ever seen this one? Okay. I have not. Okay. We just recently finished it on the cinephiles and it kind of made me fall back in love with the movie. I hadn't seen it quite some time. It's a tight 95 minutes. It's not that long of a movie, but it's amazingly uh, well thought out and very powerful, a very powerful treatise on the Mm -hmm. idea of life and death, the idea of how to approach religion, you know, because the film takes place right after the Black Plague uh, Mm -hmm. and the Crusades have ended. Uh, Max von Sydow is this knight who's gone off on the Crusades, comes back to find like most of his town completely wiped out from the Black Plague and he's there with his squire. And they like kind of run into people on this journey as they're getting closer and closer to home. And in the meantime, he uh, death comes upon him in the first few minutes of the movie, and he challenges death to a game of chess uh, for his life uh, and starts to have these philosophical discussions with death as they're having this game uh, throughout mm-hmm. the movie. And then all these other things happen as well that talks about the religion, talks about the, uh, the uh, I don't know, the oppressive nature of religion and also about taking things for granted and all of that through the whole movie. And then, of course, the iconic ending shot of them all dancing the dance of death and across the mountain. And so to me, it's just a fantastic film that has so much to say about still about mm-hmm. how we confront death or how we um, – come to terms with death and our reactions to it. And so I find that to be something that still sticks with me and watching it again, even more so at an older age, as I get closer to that time of death, uh, as opposed to the time of my birth, it's uh, pretty cool to kind of look at all this and see the philosophical discussions that go on that are well-written and tight and to the point and mm-hmm. making fun of making fun of religion, making fun of, um, well, not make fun. How can I say it's exploring the hypocrisy of religion at times, but also the hypocrisy of people who uh, think that they can judge religion. So it's like everyone is is uh, yeah. attacked throughout the movie, and I appreciate that. No one has any idea. Yeah, so honestly, right. sit and look down at others. You're like you have no more an idea than anyone else. Yeah, winging it. <laughs> We're all fucking winging it. It's true. Very true. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, look. It, it's so well known that they lampoon it in Bill and Ted's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's one of the best parts of but that, you know, the two movie arc. Yeah. It down. Once they bring death in, it's like this movie kicks up another notch for me, at least. Yeah, agree. And he's supposedly coming back for this third one. So yeah. I can't wait to see. What you have to. Back. You got to bring him back. He was too good in the second one. That's right. <laughs> uh, all right. What's your number three, man? Uh, so three, I chose uh, Amadeus. Oh, dude. Shit. There's a lot of choices, man. That's such a great choice. There's a lot of great choices out there. Damn it. Damn mad. I'm mad. That's a great choice. My dad is mad at me so much right now. Uh, As soon as as I was going through this and I was like, dude, I mean, look, you could say that or one floor of the cuckoo's nest. But if I'm going to be honest, I'm a dad (sighs) and it's not even fucking close. All right, I'm tossing my three. Yeah, I'm tossing my three. I was on the fence about it anyway, so screw it. Amadeus there, too. I agree. I'm going to go three? On, on your train. Uh, I had Fritz Lang's M, but oh, I, okay. I, I'll see Amadeus a million more times before I'll Hell yeah. I just re- I watched the behind the scenes that I'd never seen before. Oh, wow. Casting process and what it was like to shoot there and dealing with the local fucking you know, authorities and whatnot. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, yeah, just all the crazy, like the 
the woman that was uh, uh, cast as Amadeus's love interest. I can't remember the actress's name, but she's mm-hmm. she's good in it. But she was. They had someone else, and then I believe they got super sick, so they had to drop out with a week or two weeks to go. And they brought, they flew over two different actresses and kind of had them there, and ultimately settled on one. And then she was just there. It's like yeah. it happened so quickly for. Uh, I believe that was the story of it. I mean, it was still a few months ago when I watched it. Mm-hmm. Like a 25 little, 25 minute vignette thing you could find on YouTube. Right. Uh, it's, yeah, the, Amadeus to me is one of those movies. It's just perfect. It is absolutely perfect. And I love it. Yep. yep. I'm not going to deny that as well. That's one. I'm telling you, that's the one film my dad and I watched religiously in the house. Uh, there aren't many films he would quote. That one he quoted all the time. He quoted all the time. Whenever someone did something he thought was sneaky. He'd go, oh, in his noodle. He had it in his noodle the whole mm. time. He would just make little jokes about that. So for me, it has a special place in my heart. And it's just a brilliantly well-done film, man. And it's one of those it's one of those films that's so deceptively fast-paced and deceptively um, well-shot that mm-hmm. you don't even feel the length of the movie at all. No. Uh, and it's one of those rare performances from an actor who never, ever achieved that level of artistry in his acting uh like thomas holtz did in amadeus he never ever achieved that again um and yeah. it's just one of those like shooting star kind of things where the perfect role for the, for the perfect actor at the perfect time where they yeah. used all of his talents to the top of his abilities and uh it stays in your mind forever man it stays in your mind forever well i mean to open on salieri f murray yeah. abraham and that it's insane asylum and he yeah. tried suicide so he has that tourniquet or whatever it is around, but it almost looks like a neckerchief type of thing. It's a stylish choice. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's it, it, from his perspective, this jealous, you know, religious man who's given everything to God. And why, why did you make this simpering fool your vessel? Right. Uh, just, I mean, you can, you can take the bitterness that drips from his tongue as he just spits these words talking to that priest. It's, so beautifully done. I, yeah. Over and over and over. I can go, I can watch just specific scenes. I can watch the whole thing. It will never get uh, tiresome or boring for me. The creature, the creature, the creature. Yeah. And this, this, this. <laughs> uh, anyway, so what do you got? Oh, that was your three. Yeah, I, I'll give it a three. Yeah, definitely. What's your two, man? Uh, two is where I chose Kurosawa. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Um, it's a slight point cause that's my number one, but do we want to wait on that one until we talk about it then? Or should we talk about it? Well, now? Cause we have two, you might as well talk about it now, cause it's two. Okay. One. Sounds good. We're likely going to do a two, one on the other. Yeah. Assume. Maybe, Maybe. not. I have we think so. from any more of yours? Uh, no, but you might have a two no. that I didn't think about. And I have a two and you know, so maybe who knows? We'll see. Okay. All right. Well, Curacao yeah. and Samurai, basically the, the buddy team up movie Genesis and that uh, descriptor doesn't do it justice. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, that's what it is. Basically band of brothers mm-hmm. movie where we have to take a collection of individuals. They can overcome this massive problem and it spawns so many movies since then. I mean, obviously magnificent seven. Yeah. Uh, but doesn't matter. You can like uh, another in, within the same country, 13 assassins. That movie doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. If you don't have this seven samurai before. Yeah. But here there is no suicide squad. There is no Avengers. 
there is no more than likely like any of these things. Yeah, agreed. If if this didn't exist at such a high level where others are like, I got to make my version of that. Yeah. Everybody is envious of it and can't believe they didn't think of it first. Right. I, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's the, I mean, that's the thing. And once again, one of these films three, it's three hours long. doesn't feel like it at all. Uh, and you still have quiet scenes and slow and what you would term slow scenes where not much action happens, but you're just so caught up in the incredible performances from every actor in that movie. Of course, Dashir Bafuni, uh, uh, um, oh gosh, I forget the, uh, Takashi Shimura, all these other actors that are involved in this, in this film that just take you along through the journey. And of course, this one also has twists and turns also about class, the idea of these poor farmers and them needing to hire these samurai who are at this point are a bunch of Ronins because there's not a lot of money in the land. There's not a lot of food in the land. So they're wandering around trying to find out where their next meal is coming from. Yeah. They get hired and they're willing to do it for less because at this point, the going rate, this is actually all right for the going rate. And they're willing to come across and do this. And then other reasons they get involved is, oh, just one more adventure with a friend or this feels like fun. Yeah. Why not? You know, that kind of thing. And then you explore the idea of these, even these poor people who are so desperate to have that help from the samurai, they hide their women from these samurai because they also look down on the samurai at the same mm -hmm. time as these people who could take their women and you know rape their women. And so we'll use you as long as we can use you, but we don't want to actually uh, welcome you fully into our tribe, into our culture. Well, it's, it's incredible. They're mercenaries. Yeah, right. Their loyalty can be bought, so how do you trust them? Yeah. And, yeah. you know, they were samurai before when they had uh, – what would be the honorific for the individual that they – you know, the, the samurai were basically the warriors of a specific arist, uh, aristocracy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when that individual cut ties with them or dies or whatnot or that kingdom yeah. dies, so to speak, then those men become – this mercenaries ronin. yeah ronin yeah ronin um master masterless samurai yeah yeah a masterless samurai okay yeah uh, i just didn't know if it was a governor then you would have samurai if like whatever the the equivalent mm -hmm. of that would be uh but anyway um so it's it's tough to trust somebody when you know their loyalty can be bought yeah and what what happens if you run afoul of them well that means more than likely their loyalty would be bought for even less or nothing yeah, which which gets explored later in the film because when they mm -hmm. discover and won't give away too much, but of course it is like six decades old, seven decades old. When they discover the samurai armor from the previous samurai that they had hired to try to help them uh, years ago, the samurai are like super pissed. This idea that you know you would use this and keep this and steal this from other samurai who've died. Uh, in this situation, it's like, oh man, wow! There's so much to mm -hmm. explore here uh, that isn't just about the basic premise of these farmers hiring a samurai to overcome these villains. There's so much more classes, class stuff working uh, within the film as well. You know, and the idea of like the yeah. would you discover about uh, uh, um, Funi's characters that he probably was a farmer in the past and a samurai probably killed his family. And so his idea of power, because he is a, not that educated of a guy, is to become what had killed his family so that he could have some taste of power in his mm -hmm. life. And, of course, when he that kid gets saved from the, uh, from the uh, uh, I don't know, the water mill out there, 
uh, oh yeah come to terms with it and comes and mm-hmm. sees it you see it for the first time and so there's so much within each of these characters that's so fun to explore throughout the movie so yeah and then what was your two uh my two was cinema paradiso okay not on my list yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that's Honestly, that's just top top 10, top five for me, top five films ever, honestly. It's just one of those love letters to cinema that mm-hmm. I saw at the right age in my life, in my 20s, that I fell just head over heels for and always go back and watch. And whenever I'm feeling down or sad or whatever, I, I can put it on and get lifted again. Um, and of course the tragedy of the lost, the one that got away really decorates the film powerfully as well. But the relationship between the main kid and, uh, the, the, um, the projectionist, their love and their friendship, uh, throughout in Italy, you know, this is post-World War II, I think, uh, and what develops out of that. And of course the kid becomes a great filmmaker. So it's all told in flashback back, jumping back and forth in time. Mm-hmm. And seeing the progression of cinema and seeing the power of cinema and why we love films the way we do and why so many people are currently going insane because they can't go to a movie theater. And although they are enjoying movies at home, there's just something cool about going to a movie theater. The lights are down and you're going to be shown a movie on a large scale uh, for you. And so that's what that mo- this movie explores, all of that. And the power also to change uh, people's uh, moral stances, social compasses, things of that nature mm-hmm. through the power of cinema. All of that gets explored here in this small story about this relationship between these two people as the kid grows up uh, as well. So, yeah, it's just, I don't know, man. I can't, I, I, my words are shit compared to how incredible the film is. I can't do it justice no matter how much I talk. So uh, it's a, brilliant. well, look, that, um, it's one of those movies that those that have seen it over the years that crop up, mm. you know, on Twitter or anywhere else, when they talk about it, you can tell that they're passionate about it. I've never yeah. they have anything but that type of opinion about the movie. It just hasn't yeah. been seen by the, I'm guessing the vast majority of, you know, moviegoers. Yeah. And I want to give credit to the director because I forget okay. his name all the time. Uh, Giuseppe, I think it's Giuseppe Tor- Tortato. Uh, but of course I've got fat fucking fingers. So I'm having trouble typing it out right now. Sorry. Cinema. Yeah, uh, I'm sorry. It is, yeah, Giuseppe Tornatore. Sorry, Giuseppe Tornatore. So, uh, all right, what's your number one, man? Uh, the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Ah, yeah, Sergio Leone. Nice choice, man. Uh, nice choice. I'm amazed they didn't make your list. Yeah, I mean, I like those films, dude. I like the films, uh, but I don't know. I, I kind of like these other films okay, a I mean, little yeah. bit better. But even though I'm the, I know I'm the outlaw and it's on brand for me to choose it, but I've never been one of those people that's like, you know, has to adhere to the brand of this Western bullshit. Like to me, it's like what I honestly feel. And I, I love the Sergio Leone films, but I don't ever put them in the top 10 films direct, like in my mind of films directed uh, by a foreign uh, director. So, but great choice, man. I'm not going to argue you putting it up there. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, it's awesome. I, I don't know what we or anybody else could say that they haven't heard a million mm-hmm. times. It's a beautifully constructed, basically, it shows you the height of what a Western, the type of story, the depth, and the stakes that you can tell via vehicle yeah. of a Western. And that's what makes a Western so compelling for guys like us or, you know, anybody yeah. out there that, that enjoys these types of movies. But the West allows for just that as a setting in and of itself to open it up beyond that. So long as you said, like, uh, uh, there will be blood. It's yeah. It's set in the West, so immediately you have this kind of outlaw, frontierish vibe. Mm-hmm. 
and it evokes something within you. Uh, but to have this be a template for a lot of what came after it, you know, you can choose a lot of his work, but good, the bad, and the ugly is my favorite hands down. Yeah. I don't disagree with you. I think it's a fantastic film. It's his be- uh, to me, it's his best uh, film that he's ever done. And I agree. He elevates the Western. It's one of those first few films. I'm sorry. How can I say this? It's one of the first films that ever elevated the Western genre out of what was like, yes. you know, you saw in the forties and fifties. This is like something that kind of just took it to a whole nother place. And look, I love all those John Wayne films, but other than the searchers, I don't think any of them belong in the, in the conversation of like, greatest films ever made certainly the searchers does and i think this film does as well in terms of a western the greatest westerns ever made because they take the genre and oh, yeah. put it into a a a, a higher uh, realm of existence and this of course is brilliant too matt because you got three different characters yes the good the bad and the ugly but they're they're all like gray in all the different areas that they can exactly have, you know van cleef has a job to do and he's going to go and find what he needs to find. He wants to get that money. Eastwood is more kind of floating along in the world, just you know, kind of seeing where the opportunities are and taking advantage of them when he can. And yeah. Eli Wallach is this guy who is just like you know who's left. And you see that scene with his brother. So there's more depth to his mm-hmm. uh, desperation than you would initially think when you see the first part of the movie. It isn't until he sees his brother that you're like, oh, there's there's way more going yeah. on here underneath the surface of this guy. Yeah, he's not two dimensional. He right. becomes right. alive in that moment because you realize, like, look, he's not a good guy, but at the same time, he's done some positive things that, that we have right. to of. Uh, right. Somebody else who's pious gets cut down. Like, where were you when all this was happening? Yeah. You ran away. Yeah. And he's right. And yep. you don't often get that. It's usually the connotation of Western, uh, by and large, leading up to this movie. is like, I had to shoot him up, probably a revenge story or something like that. Or a homesteader trying to protect his, uh, right? Yes, yeah, so look, people get shot, people die, but that's part of. It's more about the the nature of human beings than it is just yeah. about this simplistic, you know, I'm trying to get buried treasure type of shit. Yeah, and you you, know, you compare Eli Wallach's character in Magnificent Seven versus his character in Good to Bad. The other is completely different. In Magnificent Seven, he's oh, yeah. a villain too, but there's no depth to his villainy necessarily, yeah. other than trying to feed his men. Whereas in this, there's so much more going on for him. And you see that, which is why I would always put the good, the bad, the ugly above Magnificent Seven. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't even question it in my mind. Mm. Yeah. It's just uh, one is clearly superior to me. All right. So those are our two lists. Yeah, those are our individual lists. Now let's uh, compile this thing. I've got the bongos. Do you want to write? Are you able to write or do you want me to do this again this week? I mean, I'll have you know, my fingers in the way as I do it like this, but yeah, I can do it. Okay. I imagine we're doing Kurosawa and seven Samurai one. Since that's one, two for us, right? Yeah. Okay. I got the bongos right here. Yeah. All right. And then after that, we both have now Amadeus at three. So yeah, I'm down with that. Come and on and rock me, Amadeus. Yeah. Ooh, let's see. Parasite, we have a 5-7. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We don't have anything else? Uh, not that I know of, no. We didn't you didn't put Ovoy on. No. You don't have seven seal on, so yeah, I don't think so. No. Um 
All right, so what's your next highest then? Cinema Paradiso at two. All right, so then I've got Good to Bad at two, and then we have Parasite at five, seven. So those should be, in my estimation, the next three. Okay. How do you want to do this? How should we do this? I mean... I mean, I can flip a coin and grab my camera because it's on my laptop, and I can show you where it lands. I'll trust you. We, we can do this. We'll have a little fun with this. Let's do it. What, what you can only do... I'm doing a little. That is not it. This is (laughs) for those that have never seen. Yeah. Boom. There it is. That on that side. That on that side. All right. All right. All right. Because I think it should just be whoever wins there too, loser there too, and then parasite. With that. Yeah, Yeah, that makes sense. All right. Here we go. Here we go. Oh, oh. You see it? Ah, oh, you son of a bitch. <sighs> Fine. The thing of beauty, baby. <laughs> All right. Oh, uh, well. I mean, if you had seen it, we could have a different conversation, but because you haven't. All right. So, what do you got next as your next highest? Uh, well, we put Amadeus in, right? So, yep. um, I have seven seal at four. All right. That is higher than anything else. I've got a, oh no, I've got on the waterfront, oh, pardon me, on the waterfront at four. Come on now. Seven seal there since you just uh, lost the other one. Thank you. It's very kind of you. I appreciate it. Typing it out. I got to have some sort of order here. What do you got next? What's your, I got my six. Okay, I've got Solaris at five. Solaris it is. All right. Um, and then you got I've got my six. Oh boy, what's your six? Spirited away. Okay. Well, I mean, I, I you gave me the last one, so you can take All this right. one if you want. All right, there we go. Done and done. Wow. Boom. Okay. All right, uh, let's let's get into this. Uh, the top ten movies by a non-English speaking director. Yeah, at number ten, Old Boy. At number nine, Spirited Away. At number eight, Solaris. At number seven, On the Waterfront. At number six, Seventh Seal. At number five. Parasite. At number four, Cinema Paradiso. Let me see here. Let me adjust this real quick. Sorry about that. Let me adjust this real quick. And okay, there we go. At number three, The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. At number two, Amadeus. And our number one film by a non English speaking director is Seven Samurai. Seven Samurai. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. And you're right. There are a lot of choices we could have gone with. A lot of different directors. A lot of great movies from uh, non-English speaking directors uh, that we could have explored. And thank you to Chris Alexakos for the topic. It was a lot of fun talking yes. about some movies we hadn't talked about in a bit. So cool stuff. Uh, yeah. And look, these directors may be able to speak English. Basically, in essence, English isn't their first language. Right. That's what we're saying. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, maybe we'll title like that, but that seems like a long <laughs> title. This already seems like a long title. It was a great topic because you know, all kinds of different movies qualify for this. So right. Alex Akos, this is a good one. Yeah. But yeah, thank you, Chris, for helping us out week in, week out with the show. Yeah. Uh, it means the world to us. Sorry, I'm just trying to plug my laptop back in after having moved it. Um, yeah. And sorry, we couldn't pick any Greek directors, Chris. Sorry about that. Yeah. Just the way the cookie crumbled. Yeah, I don't... Are there? <laughs> what thing that made these levels I'm take a move? I don't know. I'm legitimately asking. I can think of one off the top of my head. It doesn't mean there isn't one. Right, right. Uh, but anyway, yeah. Uh, thank you uh, to you and to everybody that supports us over at patreon.com forward slash the top 10. We thoroughly appreciate it. We hope you guys are enjoying uh, Topic Thunder on the free feed. That is thanks to everybody that supports us at Patreon and uh, they know where they can send their questions and topics into that. You can find the email address over at patreon.com forward slash the top 10 with the number 10. Uh, or you can look above. Yeah, right there. Yeah. No, oh, right there, right above John's head. Kaboom. Done and done. And uh, yeah, you can follow me at my handle. You see it on the screen right there at Matt Nost. And uh, check out my podcast, Embrace the Hate. And search for that anywhere you get podcasts. And uh, I think that's it for me this week. Yeah, there you go. You can follow me at The Rogue Says right there below me on Twitter and on Instagram. Of course, uh, uh, please follow or subscribe to my YouTube channel, www.youtube.com slash John Roca Says, the Outlaw Nation YouTube channel there. All that stuff going on there. You can see everything we're doing on that side of the fence. So uh, thank you all so much. And please let us know in the comment section below which foreign, what your lists are. We always love seeing your lists. Which What did we miss? What should we have considered? Uh, things of that nature. So please let us know down there below. Uh, and tweet us your thoughts as well. And uh, echo Matt's sentiments. Thank you so much to Chris for all the work he does for us. And uh, we will talk to you next time on a brand new episode of the Top 10 Show. Mm-hmm.